born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Chapter 17, Acts chapter 17. As you go on missionary trips, and I've been on a few, you never know what's going to happen. You just go here, and then you go there. But one thing that I noticed that the Apostle Paul did, he went not just to lead someone to the Lord. He went to establish churches. And he would stay with a little group here, and he'd went a few here, and then stay with them and teach them and start a church and go someplace else. Then he'd make another missionary trip. So we know about three of his missionary trips that he went on. And he wanted to go back and see how they were doing, and they would establish them strong in the faith. I've had a few chances in my life to be able to do a little bit of that. Not a lot, but a little. You win some to the Lord here, and you win a few there. But what has been neat is when you go around the country preaching in various churches, you know if anybody there trusts Christ as Savior, well, they're still in that church, and they got a pastor, and they got some people that can take them under their wing and help them and grow them in the Lord. And that's always good. So uh, when we travel around, we'd always go to a place where there was a church. You see, back in Paul's day, he couldn't go to the churches. Why? There weren't any churches. But the Lord, years before, had prepared a way. You see, the Jewish people had been scattered. Some had been taken into captivity, and after 70 years they came back, but not everybody. The people had been scattered all over the world. And that's why they came from all these various nations, even on the day of Pentecost. Well, in all of those places, in those towns and cities, even in the, among the Gentiles, well, if there was a, maybe ten Jewish men, they'd get together and start them a synagogue. They'd get together and they'd read on the Sabbath day. And as it was, their custom, they would allow for someone to come in and share a word. Give a testimony. Speak on, as they would say. Well, the Apostle Paul, as he traveled, went through many cities and doesn't say he stopped at all. Just passed right on through them. And from Philippi, he had uh, gone to Thessalonica. And somewhere around 50-mile journey. 
And so they didn't jump in their, their automobile and scoot right on over there, you know, in an hour's time. It would take them two, three, four days to get from one place to the other place. Sometimes they probably just spent the night there and moved on somewhere else. But they were always looking for the Jewish synagogue. Because they knew if they went there, there's always a possibility they could meet with somebody who came to hear the Word of God. And it was an open door, an opportunity. And God had allowed all of these little synagogues all over the place in all these various cities. So what an open door for somebody like Paul. And he was highly educated. He knew the law. He knew the Old Testament. There was no New Testament. God used him to write most of it. But what it must have been like to travel on a missionary journey with a great Apostle Paul. You know, one of the highlights of my life was going on a missionary trip with Ray Stanford down into Egypt. I don't know if I'd go today, but we went a few years ago, and he was 85 years old. Think about that. 85 years old when we went. And when we went there, he preached morning, noon, and night, hour after hour after hour. Other missionaries had come from other parts of the world, and they were also there, and, you know, it was enough for them if they just spoke one hour a day. And they were absolutely give out. And here's this 85-year-old man that has been used to speaking in high schools and one after the other and class after the other class and in Bible college going day and night, and he run them ragged. They couldn't hold a light, a candle, to A. Ray Stanford. And to watch Ray get up there and plead for people to trust Christ as Savior. I would say he was kind of like opening and alleging that this was the Christ, the Savior of the world and how you can know you have eternal life. And buddy, he would hit the gospel as clear as you've ever heard anybody hear. That was his main thrust. He was truly a gospel-driven man. Well, I would say that the, um, the Apostle Paul was gospel-driven. Everywhere he went, you'll always find not only that they talked to this group or that group, it was always that some believed, a few believed, many believed. But that was what he was after, results. And you always want results, but you can't make people trust the Lord. So as you read some of this, you'll be surprised to find out how it also dovetails with Individual soul winning. You never know what's going to be a hot spot. Uh, Betty has her phone, and wherever we put that phone, if we have a laptop, we can use that phone as a hot spot, and we can go on the Internet within 300 feet of that, that cell phone. I thought, that is pretty good. There's been many times that I have wanted to get on the Internet with my laptop, and there's no signal. But wherever that phone could be used, we could get on the Internet. And so it was on the thing, and it says, hotspot. Have you ever been fishing, and you get a few little nibbles here, so you move up a little bit, a few little nibbles here, and then all of a sudden you feel, 
I hit a hot spot. Now, what would that mean? There's some fish here, and they're biting, and I'm able to catch them and get them into the boat. Paul hit a hot spot. There's two places here, Thessalonica and Berea, which were two really hot spots, and a lot was accomplished. You can't always determine the end result of what you're doing. You just are to be faithful. And you'd like to have it where there's no problem. Well, things were moving along pretty good. So take your Bible and look there in chapter 17 and verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, uh, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue. See, they evidently didn't have them in those other towns, but they had one here. So he would bypass in order to get where he needed to be. See, always time was an essence. When you're trying to redeem the time, you think, if I do this, I can win more people down the road. Maybe I pass up one here and one there. Sometimes I remember we used to drive our buses, and I would see whole areas that we would bypass in order to get to that one kid that lived down on the end of a block. And I think, we just bypassed 300 to get to that one. But sometimes we've already tried, and we couldn't get nobody out of those apartments to come. But that one little kid down the end of that street said he'd come. So we go and pick up the one that will. And we built a work, not out of reaching the ones we couldn't reach, but by reaching the ones we could. You do what you can with what you have where you are. And you can't always tell who's going to respond. But serving the Lord is really an awesome thing. So he says there was a synagogue there. So in verse 2, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Three Sabbath days. So we could say he was there at minimum two weeks and probably close to a month. That he went to this place and he talked to them and reasoned with them. And um, there was quite a few that trusted Christ as their Savior. Now, if you want to know a little bit more about what happened to the Christians at Thessalonica, I wonder what book you'd want to read in the Bible to find out what happened at this church. Now, not everything is told here. Not everything he talked about is mentioned here. Just that uh, there was a meeting and that he talked and this happened and that happened. But there's a lot that's not mentioned. But there is a book in the Bible that talks about this time when Paul went there. And it also tells some of the things that he told them. Anybody have an idea where that book might be? Well, what do you know? The book of Thessalonians. And there is the first Thessalonians and second Thessalonians. So hold your place right here and go with me over there to the book of first Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 1, on page 1267 in an old Schofield reference Bible. And you'll notice there in verse 1, it makes a statement, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's because the believers are in them, so therefore the church is in them. And then he makes a statement in verse 2, 
we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. So that means that Paul not only went there, led people to Christ, established the church, but he remembered them, prayed for them, and then bragged on them. You know, everybody needs a little compliment once in a while. And so he says in verse 3, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 4, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, or how God chose to save you. See, God chooses, and later on it says, how he chose to save because of your belief of the truth. Just so that you know that, I think it's important. Look there in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2 and verse 13, where it says in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, verse 13, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because, get this, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation, and here's how he chose, through sanctification. That means because you were made pure and holy by the Holy Spirit. And see these words, belief of the truth. We came, we preached, ye believed. So God has chosen to save everyone that would believe the message that they preached. Because, you see, salvation is by grace. And anyone, whosoever believeth, hath everlasting life. See there in verse 14? Whereunto he called you by our what? Our gospel. So how did God call? By the gospel. So as you read, you will find out just what the Lord did for these people in Thessalonica. And of all the things that he taught them, and it goes through a, a, an awful lot and talks about the things that he had told them. Uh, look there at a verse in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse, um, verse 5. While you're right there, you might as well look at verse 5. Because remember now, he was only with them three or four weeks. But look at all the deep doctrinal teaching that he gave to them. Now, many times when we're out and we are winning people to the Lord and so forth, uh, we may have, you know, a couple minutes, five minutes here, ten minutes there, and we want to give them what we believe is the most important, and so we give them the gospel. They trust Christ as their Savior. But see, with the Apostle Paul, he was for more than just winning them. He was for building a church. And so he would meet with them daily and get them grounded in the truth and get them fired up on serving the Lord. So you see, winning people to the Lord can be very easy. Try getting somebody to serve the Lord. Teach them enough that they can stand on their own two feet. That's what's rough. That's where the work of the Lord comes in. Because that is more difficult. Winning people to Christ is one of the easiest things in the world, but getting them to serve the Lord, now that's a totally different issue. So he says in verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Well, with the things that he's talking about here, he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. 
He's talking about the rewards. He's talking to them about the Antichrist, the tribulation period. He's talking about election, the second coming. He's talking about all these doctrinal issues, and yet he was only with them for about three weeks. How long have you been saved? What do you know about the Word of God? Now go back there to the book of Acts in chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. And uh, there's a statement that's made here where it says in verse 2, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Now you know it was not the New Testament. It had to be the Old Testament. And if you reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, then they had to have a copy of the Scriptures in the synagogue. Unless the Apostle Paul carried a scroll around with him with everything in it. I don't know. Maybe that's why he had to go to the, the synagogue. And they read the Scriptures every Sabbath day. And so Paul had an opportunity to present the Lord. So his main goal was taking the scrolls and convincing them that the Scriptures, the Old Testament, talked about Christ. And how that there had to be a crown of thorns before there was the crown of glory. Because, you see, the Old Testament prophets knew that the Messiah was coming, but they didn't know and understand about the Christ that had to suffer. And therefore, this is why it says in verse 3, opening and alleging, opening their eyes and alleging from the Scriptures the truth about what had to take place in prophecy, that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. So this is what he did. But let me just have you look at Psalms 132, 132nd Psalm. There in the Old Testament... There is one psalm that I really like quite well. And if you look there, 132nd Psalm. It's talking about some of the promises that God made to King David. About David. And of the fruit of his loins. See there in verse 10. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Now look in verse 11. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. L-O-R-D is caps, a reference to Jehovah God. I, through the fruit of David's loins, I will set upon thy throne. Jesus Christ is the Lord. So they were going to the Old Testament and showing him, or the people, that Jesus Christ was who he claimed to be. Now, take your Bible and look there in the book of Luke in chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, written by Luke is also the one that God used to write the book of Acts and was on the missionary journey with him. 
So in the book of Luke, and chapter 24, I want you to look there in verse 25. When Jesus came back from the dead and was walking down the road, he says to two individuals in verse 25, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory. And then look at this verse. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in on that conversation? Once in a while... We study the Old Testament, we find a little verse here and a little verse here. We call it the Messianic Psalms and so on. I wonder just how much we have passed over because we didn't see. Oh, I didn't know that verse referred to. I didn't know that. Boy, wouldn't it have been wonderful to have let Jesus Christ teach us like they were shown. And look what else he says. Uh, look there in verse 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. He just put his whole stamp of approval upon the whole Old Testament. He did not say anything about the Apocrypha books, the Homologumala books, the Pseudepigrapha books, all those books in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Didn't say anything about the Maccabees, didn't say anything about their writings, nothing like that. He only spoke about these three books, and that's the Old Testament that we have today. So I believe that those books, all of them, every prophet had something to say about the Lord. We just haven't seen it all. When we get to heaven, it's going to be interesting when he opens our eyes and we really see the scriptures. We are just scratching the surface. There's deep things in the word of God that we haven't even touched. Now go back over there to the book of Acts in chapter 17. And you'll notice that he was explaining to them that the Jesus he preached was the Christ spoken of in the Old Testament. And because of that, and look in verse 4, and some of them, and you ought to underline that word, believed. He explained it, they saw it, they believed it. That's what he's after. Getting people to believe. Look what else. And consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude. And of the chief women, not a few. It means there was a lot of people in this town that believed on the Lord. They were ready. They accepted it. Of course, not everybody. There's always somebody that wants to, uh, you know, spoil the party. And whenever you win somebody to the Lord, there'll be somebody that doesn't. And somebody that will compliment you, somebody else will want to rip you to shreds. So he says in verse 5, But the Jews, and get this, which believed not. So it's always this issue about believers and unbelievers. Even in John three eighteen, He that believeth 
hath everlasting life. He that believeth not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. It's always about he that believes and he that does not believe. So, when you preach, there's people who are going to believe and not believe. Did you know that after you trusted Christ as your Savior, it is still the issue of whether or not you believe what God says about serving Him or not believing it? That it will be worth it and you believe it, or it won't be worth it and you don't do it. Or that you should tell people how to have eternal life. Some of you will believe it. Some of you won't believe it. God's Word will tell you to do many things. Some you'll pick and choose and say, well, I believe that, but I don't believe that. I believe that and don't believe Like going to a restaurant. Oh, I like this. I think I'll get some of this. I, I like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. The Word of God is not supposed to be what we just pick and choose. You should be willing to follow truth regardless of where it may lead you. So he says here in verse 5, But the Jews which believed not moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. I guess they had class warfare back in those days. I'm not real sure. And uh, they were known as rabble rousers. And so um, they were vile individuals. Uh, the, the low cut. Did you know that there's people today that utilize the ignorance of others to accomplish your will? Now, let me tell you this. This is a little side issue, but it's all right. No charge extra. You know this crowd called the Occupy Wall Street? To me, they are of the baser sort. Now, I mean it's in a good way, but the truth. They're being manipulated to do what somebody else wants them to do. They're only using them. They don't care about those people. I don't believe that most politicians care anything about the poor. Because if they really loved the poor, they wouldn't try to keep making more of them. Well, anyway, I like every once in a while to express myself. So here he makes the statement that they were going to cause a small stir. And so they got certain people to do their dirty work for them. Gathered a company, set all the city on an uproar. Now remember, it was not God's people that caused the problem, that caused the uproar. It's the unbelievers that did this. They simply presented the gospel. They didn't beat up nobody. They didn't try to overthrow the government. Even though they convinced the people that this was the goal. Because they said... They preached about another King Jesus. And we believe there's only one king, and that's Caesar. So now you've got a problem. But it says in verse 6, And when they found them not, because they had gone to the house of Jason, who evidently was the one that was um, providing the fellowship, and maybe a place to stay. They were maybe staying at his house. And to, um, they assaulted his house and brought him out to the people. In verse 6, And when they found them not, because they were looking for Paul and Silas, and they couldn't find them, evidently they had hid them somewhere. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, and you ought to underline this statement in your Bible. Isn't it a wonderful statement? I think it's an awesome statement. 
These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. You see, they had turned it upside down and we're just simply trying to turn it right back up. But to know that you've turned a place upside down, that means you didn't leave it the way you found it. I believe God's people ought to cause a revival or a revolt. Somewhere along the line, something ought to happen. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me